Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 12 through 23. Hear now the word of God. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting an net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In these verses I just read, we hear Jesus calling his very first disciples. These first four hear the call to discipleship. And in these words, we also hear from Jesus speaking to us here and now, calling us as well to be his disciples. As we begin to think about what that means, I want us to explore this fishing analogy that Jesus uses. Fishing in New Testament times did not involve rods and reels, crickets or chicken livers, rubber worms or rubber worms and spinnerbait. If none of that made any sense to you, don't worry about it. It's just stuff you need to fish in 2020, you know, here and now. Jesus is not talking about that kind of fishing. When he's talking here, Jesus and also his first century hearers, the first people that would have heard these stories, they were talking about fishing in a a different way. Not fishing with a rod and reel, but fishing with a net. We see that here. The net is emphasized more than once. In verse 18, we're told they were casting their nets into the sea. In verse 20, we were told they left their nets. And in verse 21, we're told they were mending their nets. I have to think, if Matthew puts nets in that many times in these few verses, he wants us to pay attention to the fact that they were using nets. So when Jesus says, I'll make you fish for people... He's talking about net fishing versus fishing with a line. This type of fishing that we've seen these, these four, first four disciples doing, sometimes they might be standing on the shore, as it seems the first two were. It says they were standing on the shore, casting their net into the sea. Think about cast netting, if you've ever seen that from, from land. But we're also told that they were also planted in our minds that they fished from a boat as we see the sons of Zebedee with their father in the boat mending their nets. And so we're told, they're being told that these people are fishermen. And by the way, I say fishermen 
because it sounds easier to say, and I want you to know, women, I'm talking about y'all too, okay? If I say fishermen, this is not a, a the English language is not giving me a good fisherwomen just doesn't. Fisher people? I don't know. All y'all, all, everybody's included. But when these fishermen, when Jesus comes upon them, they're not fishing as we would to pass the time. This is their business. This is their livelihood. It might be more accurate to say they were in the fish business. And it's a business and it's work that was hard. It was labor intensive. It meant many long hours and a lot of uh, not just having the knowledge of where to find fish, but the work of maintaining nets and of doing the work of maintaining boats and all that went with the And then the business end of things, selling your fish for a price that was right. So Jesus here is talking to men involved in this labor-intensive, back-breaking occupation. He's not talking about the sort of finesse fishing that we might do where you just find the right bait and put the hook in the right place and coax some fish onto a hook. That's not the imagery Jesus is using of, of using the right bait to hook a believer onto the gospel. It's not an individualistic type of fishing either. Each of these fishermen are, we're told, they're one with his brother and one with a father and two sons. The point is not one person reeling in a line at a time, but a group of people working at it together for a common goal. The kind of fishing Jesus is talking about here takes a team of people working together. I want to share a story with you when I think about the two types of fishing. When I was younger, my parents were involved with a ministry called Jubilee Partners, and, and they helped refugees settle in the United States. And when I was little in the early 80s, the first group I really had memory of them working with were uh, Cambodian boat people. They had escaped the horrors of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia and found their way to a little town in northeast Georgia. And the Jubilee had a a farm that the folks would live on. They had little houses there, and people would live in these houses and prepare for life in the United States. They'd learn English. They'd learn how to open checking accounts. They'd learn to drive. They'd do all the things they needed to do for life in the U.S. And since my parents worked with this group, we were blessed that we were able to go fish in the ponds they had on this farm. So one day, I was probably about six. My brother was about three. The two of us and my dad went out to Jubilee, and we were fishing. The kind with a rod and reel, to be clear. And while we're out there, some of the Cambodian men see what we're doing, and they come down to talk to us, and, and they're talking to my dad, and they're asking, so what are you doing? Well, we're fishing. Well, what kind of fish do you catch? And my dad goes on to talk about the kind of fish that are in the pond. He says, but mostly it's just brim. They're easy for the kids to catch, and, and they're good to eat. The Cambodians just kind of say, all right, well, that sounds good. Could we fish too? Dad's like, well, it's not my pond, but sure. So they go up the hill, and, they, and we see them go off, and they're talking to some of the Jubilee uh, people, and they're asking, is it all right if we fish too? And they say, sure. And so then I watch, and at six years old, you just assume this is how the world works, you know, as they walk over to the volleyball net, and they take the volleyball net off the poles and they work 
sticks every so often, weave them sort of through the end of the net to make it a little more rigid. And they get on one end of this pond, and they wade down into the water, this team of men wade down into the water, and um, which I was intrigued by because it was made very clear to me that I was not allowed to go into the pond. I was only allowed to be beside the pond. And they work their way from one end of this pond to the other, working this volleyball net. And when they get to the other end, they've got fish. They've got lots of fish. They've got fish to the point my dad kind of looks down at us and says, well, boys, I guess we should just go home because I don't think there's anything left to catch. They caught all kind of fish, and turtles and all kind of, maybe, I don't know, maybe a big frog. I didn't see the frog, but I remember at least one turtle. They threw it back. But I'm just, and, and then they went and took those fish up the hill. They cleaned them. They cooked them. They ate them. They had a big party. I'm thinking about those two different kinds of fishing, though, what my dad and my brother and I were doing versus what the Cambodians were doing. We were trying to use the first type of fishing. We used the right attractant to get a fish to bite, hopefully bring it in. And then the second, when you figure out where the fish are, and then you just go get them. That's the first point I want us to really understand, the difference in the two types of fishing. Jesus is talking about the second kind, the kind that requires a team effort, the kind that requires figuring out where the fish are and then just going to get them, not sort of just hopefully teasing one onto your hook. As the body of Christ, we, the church, are called to be Jesus' continuing physical presence in the world, searching for people who don't know about Jesus, reaching out to them and bringing them in. Jesus calls us to be disciples, that is, learners and followers. And he's telling these first disciples, he calls as he's telling us, I want y'all to go fish. But not fish like you and I think of for fun, where you find the people and then you go get them. Jesus came to call disciples. He came to call us. The fact that Jesus called disciples in and of itself probably doesn't make him very different from other great teachers throughout history. And makes no mistake, Jesus is the Son of God and not just a great teacher. But John the Baptist had disciples and the Bible calls them disciples. Plato and Aristotle had disciples. Gandhi had followers. Mother Teresa had followers. But they were about something different. They were not the Son of God calling people to follow him. And it's amazing the way Jesus went about choosing his disciples. A 21st century management consultant would come into Jesus' life and tell him he was doing it all wrong. The methodology was all wrong for finding the right people to be the best disciples. He didn't go to Jerusalem and, and find the best religious scholars. He didn't talk to rabbis and say, who are the promising young people that you have out there? He didn't look for people who demonstrated expertise in religious matters. He went and he called some fishermen. Why would Jesus go to fishermen and tax collectors and other people and recruit them for his mission? That flies in the face of everything we probably would learn about how to run a successful organization. Yet, Jesus called them. And I think... The reason it's so important to note that Jesus called fishermen and not people who'd been to seminary is that Jesus needed non-fishermen too 
He needed people who weren't experts in the field. And if you think about it, this is absolutely amazing. That God is interested in ordinary, everyday people. God wants regular people. Had Jesus only recruited the most religious, most holy, most pious people of his time, most of us would have been left out. We would get the impression that genuine faith, genuine discipleship is only for a select few. But that's not the case at all. This call is for all of us. And here's the key point. If Jesus can use a fisherman, Jesus can use you and me. To the fisherman, Jesus says, come and I will make you fish for people. And I think we've used that as the singular model for discipleship. And it is an important one and a good one. And one that that, that pastors and church leaders have through the centuries used as a wonderful analogy for evangelism. Developing the theme uh, that fishing requires patience and uh, different approaches and a willingness to go to where the fish are, etc., etc., etc. But it's not just for fishermen. As I was doing some research from this sermon, I, for this sermon, I ran across a blog post in which a preacher talks about having preached this text and really pressing the fishing analogy home. And after the sermon, a woman came to him and said, You know something? I don't like to fish. And as for fishing for people, I don't have the time available that you talked about to do all the things you talked about. Does Jesus have any place for a harried mother of four children? The fishing analogy is an important one. It's rich in symbolism about how we are to live into being followers of Jesus. But think about it. Jesus' first disciples could have been blacksmiths or farmers or rabbis. But for whatever reason, Jesus saw Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he said to himself, these are my guys. So I've thought about that a lot. And I came to the conclusion that the principles behind the text are not help-wanted fishermen only. Instead, the point is that you and I are meant to be part of the tremendous and wonderful divine plan to share the good news of Jesus' love, to share the good news of what Jesus has done and is doing in the world right now, whoever we are, wherever we are. For the carpenter, the invitation might read, Follow me and I will make you build people. The invitation for the accountant might be, follow me and I will make you help people know they count. The invitation for the waiter might be, follow me and I will make you serve the spiritual hunger of people. The invitation for the physician might be, follow me and I will make you a healer of people's souls. The call to a beleaguered parent might be, follow me and I will make you a builder of God's children. Do you see We're meant to be part of God's divine plan to bring hope and meaning to a world that needs it. We can do this wherever we are. We can do this whoever we are. Jesus needs us. Jesus calls us. Fishermen reach fishermen. Teachers can reach teachers. Truck drivers can reach truck drivers. Moms and dads can reach children. What an amazing and wonderful thing it is that we are part of this calling That in whatever corner of the world we happen to find ourselves, God can use us to share his good news. I think the only question left to us is, are we willing to join? Are we willing to hear the call? Are we willing to be like the disciples and follow Jesus? Jesus was relentless 
and his seeking people who needed him. And he calls his church, he calls you and me to continue that, to relentlessly be looking outward, finding ways to serve, to show compassion, to lead people to faith in Jesus. And all of us are called to that work. All of us are called to be fishers of people. Jesus was radically outward focused and so should we be. And the disciples, make no mistake, they gave up a lot to follow Jesus. Are we able to say, I'll leave behind fear and anxiety, to leave the comforts that I know, the sure thing here on the shore or in the boat to answer Jesus' call, to reach out in concern and service to the world? Fishing for people. To be fishers of people means we need to learn, be sure of the people, learn the people around us and cast a net. Whatever role we're playing, we can do it for Jesus. I've done an exercise in Bible studies before, so if you're ever in a Bible study with me, chances are I'll do this with you. But where I say to somebody, just answer the question, what are you? And I'll ask the group to share, what are you? You know, 90% of the people, maybe even a higher percentage of the people, tell me what they do for a living. I'm a pastor, I'm whatever. And I say to them, okay, but think about the other things you are. We go right to that one thing, but you're also, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a child, maybe you're a student, maybe you're a spouse. Think about all those roles you play, all those things you are. And then let's add a modifier to what you say you are. What would happen if we put the word Christian in front of that? I'm a Christian parent. I'm a Christian student. I'm a Christian child. Put it in front of your occupation. I'm a Christian pastor, which is a little redundant, but you get the point. What would it mean if we took that seriously? So that wherever we are, We're fishing for people, whether we're fishermen or not, whether we like to fish or not, whether we like to eat fish or not, wherever we are, if we can use Christian as a modifier for the role we're playing in that place, then we are being fishers for people. And maybe you're somebody who gets, is not comfortable talking about these things. And that, so I have rattling around in my head the words of Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel always and use words when necessary. We're called to be Jesus' disciples wherever we are. We're called to be Christian and then fill in the blank wherever we are and whoever we are. Jesus called these young Galileans to be fishers of people. They answered his call. They dropped everything and they spent their lives doing as Jesus asked. But Jesus calls us too. Jesus is knocking on the doors of our hearts too. And it's our calling to let Jesus into our lives and join him in that work he's doing in the world to help people who need to know the good news of Jesus' love know the good news of Jesus' love. So may God give you the words to speak and may God inspire you in action and in deed to share the good news of Jesus as well. Will you pray with me? Lord, you have called us to be your disciples. May we faithfully hear your call to discipleship. May we follow you and may we share your good news with others. For we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.